0: The past is another country, 1987's just the Isle of Wight. I love that line. Welcome to the Cloister Bell podcast where in this episode we talk about my favorite Christopher Eccleston story, Father's Day.
1: The Tardis Cloister Bell. Imminent Disaster. Cloyster
0: Bell? Yes. What's that?
1: Well, it's a
0: sort of communications device reserved for wild catastrophes and sudden calls to man the battle stations.
1: That's the Cloyster Bell. Don't worry about that for now. It's not really terribly significant. The Cloyster Bell? Oh, no.
0: Hi, everyone, and welcome back. This is the Cloyster Bell Podcast. I'm Liam, and I'm joined by Rob. Hi, Rob.
1: Hello, Liam. And how's it going? not bad uh, I'm on my second week off work so enjoying the sun enjoying the rain Um yeah I'm, I'm a bit bored at home I, I don't want to go back to work and I don't want to stay at home so I just kind of want to you know when you just I just like when I'm sat in the car and I just <laughs> yeah I just want to go out and head places just
0: hide <laughs> <laughs> yeah um, yeah, I get that. It's uh, the weather's been a bit um, well, typically British, I suppose. It's been absolutely fantastically, wonderfully summery. It was boiling uh, this morning. It was yeah. B- yeah, It was amazing this morning, and then all of a sudden, the the the, the grey doom laden clowns, uh, clowns, clouds uh, <laughs> approached and uh, started buckling it down for, <laughs> for a short while. And it just where the hell are these where the hell's the where are the hell have these rain clouds come from?
1: Yeah, like this morning I was just out walking in my t-shirt. Mm. Then this afternoon I was at Silverlink Retail Park with the family, and I, I had to go and get the car to go pick them up from, from one of the shops. <laughs> <laughs> it's that bad. Yeah. And then this evening, I've been sat in the garden. It's been fine. Ticket never happened. <laughs> rain.
0: Yeah. Uh, thankfully, I was in the office when it was raining. But um, it, yeah, you could. It just, you know, nice and sunny. The windows were flung open, just enjoying it. Everyone in a happy mood. Then it started raining. Then it got depressed. It was suddenly cold. They walked home, and this, you know, it was. Uh, and then when I was walking home, the, the weather had uh, massively improved, which, which was nice.
1: Yeah. So, <laughs> once again, uh, we'll be talking brings. about the weather. um So, uh, anything else? Um, no, just. uh yeah, just the weather that's happened today, pretty mm. much. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> um, that's
0: it. I've, I'm still been going through because even though there's only four adventures, uh, I've still been going through the season twenty four Blu-ray box set because uh, it's just jam packed with stuff. Um, and I finished watching Delta and the Bannerman the other day. Um, which is not one of my favorite stories it's I like the idea behind it, and there 's a lot of potential and there 's some nice scenes in there, but overall, the show doesn 't do anything for me and Then the thing is it's um not only do you have the televised uh, adventures, but you also have extended cuts of all the of the stories as well, which is great you of know, each one of <laughs> each one, yeah, so you know enjoying the extended cut of time and the Ronnie and Paradise towers, but it 's just like, do I really need an extended cut of Delta and the Bannerman? <laughs> Just, oh. But you never know; the extended cut may actually be may actually be better. I mean, I Perhaps. doubt it, but uh, yeah, I'm I'm having to w- sort
1: of. W- You're w- just te- tempted to watch the shorter version.
0: <laughs> yeah, well, I've yeah I've watched the shorter version. I think I'm done with it. I have to work psych myself up to watch the extended version of Delta and the Bannerman. Um, I'll give it a couple of months, and I might I might finally get round to that. But uh, it, it has been fun going through season twenty-four. That's uh, great. Yeah. And um, and in fact, the, you put up a, a Twitter uh, recently which got a huge response. Which yes. was well. Actually, do you want to talk about that?
1: Um. Sure. I just casually asked, who was the Doctor on the year you were born? Um. Or. If there was no Doctor that, yeah, who was the most recent Doctor. Mm -hmm. And it turned into a bit of a gift party.
0: Yeah, 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 it did. But it also trended quite highly. It was one of the most talked about Doctor Who uh, tweets going. Uh, But it was quite nice. There was a a huge response of people just reminiscing about um, their earliest memories and so on.
1: Yeah, it, it was a surprise to me because... I actually did it because... Um, there's a lot of younger people on Twitter that are younger than us uh, <laughs> in fact that uh, who were born after the new series started which seems so bizarre these people are growing up now <laughs> yeah. so uh, I was curious to see um would it be more of the older or more of the new hmm. and um, it's quite nice to see there's a lot of older people on there <laughs> <laughs> in fact there's a lot of people uh, that uh, said, that the show hadn't even started when they were born.
0: Yes, yeah, so I saw a couple of those, which was uh, quite impressive. So they, they were just like, well, my earliest doctor is whatever. It's obviously Hartnell, but uh, a pre-Hartnell. <laughs> yeah, pre-Hartnell. So, so you know, take your pick if you want to go down the the, the childish, 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 the, childish, <laughs> the timeless child route. Uh, Let's not be childish. <laughs> yeah, of course not. Uh, although of we do have something to talk about in relation to that. But yeah, it was, it was that, that was quite nice to have the huge response. Then um, I was born five months after Colin Baker's final episode with The Trial of a Time Lord and four months before Time and the Rani. So I'm close to my McCoy, but I'm almost sort of halfway between the two. Um, but you were, bo- you were born a month before McCoy, weren't you?
1: Yes, I was born in the August and... Was that the back end of September? I think... When uh, he he started. I think it was actually the beginning.
0: I've got the 7th of September stuck in my head. Um, Uh, Hang on. I'll I'll do a quick um, Google.
1: While you're doing that, there was a lot of people unsure. Um, Maybe I didn't specify um, what qualifies as the Doctor of the Year you were born or closest. Because a lot of people were saying... uh, Were rounding it up and saying, well... uh, Maybe, like, Eccleston's my doctor because I was born in 2004, for example. Um, which is, uh, I kept saying that's fair enough, yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, episode one of Time and the Ronnie, 7th of September, 1987.
1: Yeah. It was nice to see a lot of people were saying, like, uh, Richard E. Grant, Joanna Lumley. <laughs> oh,
0: <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: Peter Cushion. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that was great. Um, so yeah it was was just nice to see an awful lot of people just reminiscing it was quite nice but um, yeah we've uh, it's been there's been rumours floating around for quite some time that Jodie Whittaker and Chris Chibnall would be leaving the show and that was just denied but quite recently that has actually it's finally been announced Jodie Whittaker and Chris Chibnall will be leaving the show Um, which has obviously got an awful lot of Sorry, what did you
1: say? Well, the perception is, especially in the media, that she's quit, Mm. but in actuality, we've got her for two more series. We've got her for this this short run of what is it, eight episode series, yeah, yeah. and then we've got a a series of specials next year, Mm. which is technically technically like two box sets, you know, Mm -hmm. yeah. So (laughs) she's gonna be around for a while. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, um, but
0: it's uh, I think everyone it was. I think people were perhaps expecting them to um, hang around a little bit longer. Um, I've got a, a group of f- friends. I'll just leave it there and surprise everyone. <laughs> I've got a, I've got a group of mates. None you, of whom you've are. got friends. I've got yeah, I've got <laughs> friends. freaking hell, uh, who knew? And um, none of them are into Doctor Who, but. Uh, but even people who aren't into it, when, when Doctor Who's in the news, it hits big and everyone's sort of aware of it. Uh, and they were aware that Jodie Whittaker and Chris Chippenham would be leaving. Uh, and we were having a conversation uh, and they mentioned, oh, isn't it a black actress who's going to be the next Doctor? Well, well we don't know. Um, but w- what they've said is um, they want a... Um, and I'm quoting here, this is what the BBC have said, that they want a um, a person of colour to play the doctor and not that not that it matters but i thought it was i thought their response to when i said that keeping in mind that again not that it should matter but uh, these group of friends none of them are caucasian they're not white they went what they went they actually said that i went yeah they they want a, a person of color to play the doctor and they went okay um their whole thing was That's a really bizarre response because it's sort of like you've got someone to play the role and they just went, yeah, yeah, it's all good. Um, They're not white and they can also act. And they just thought it was a they just thought it was to actually go down that route of, you know, like even what they said was just like it seems like it would be a tick box exercise rather than casting an actor who happens to be non-white. Uh, who would be good in the role, rather than it's sort of... Um, they're looking at the skin colour as a... You know, yeah, as, exactly. as, as, as the main criteria before looking at anything else. So The, the, the reaction was one of... Um, they weren't happy with that. They thought it was a very odd way of going about of casting a, ma- a main role. Um, I suspect a, a lot of people w- would agree.
1: That's the way I'd perceive that. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I, I I quite often defend things when people say, oh they're just trying to tick a box mm-hmm. um, because we've got a female doctor and they'll do it again and it's like well they can't really win next time, you know there's always <laughs> going to be 50% of the people um, saying that mm-hmm. um, but yes, to to come out and say okay we're going to cast someone of colour, yeah you're right That that that, that is um, uh, I mean the intention is of course a positive one but um yeah it it should come down to um it should come down to the the person in particular. Yeah and their uh, but but talent, of yeah. course of course um try and be as diverse as you can in the casting process. Mm-hmm. But then you could actually
0: say that we already have um I mean we already have a black actress who, who's played the doctor.
1: Yeah, we've had two.
0: Who's the second?
1: Oh yes, right. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, the the, 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 the child. first Doctor.
0: Yes. The very first. Um. So 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 we've had all that, but we we have um. Ah, oh, sorry, Rob. Her name eludes me. Something Martin. The actress. What's her name?
1: The Ruth Doctor.
0: Yes, the Ruth Doctor. Jo- Joe Martin. Joe Martin. Thank you. Sorry. Um. Her name slipped my mind. Yes. So Joe Martin. Um. If that's what you want to do, is that well, we've already got an actress who's... Why don't we follow her adventures? We could do that. Uh, Because she's fantastic.
1: Yeah, and she's kind of come in the back door and she's already established. Mm Mm-hmm. And, yeah. And that would be interesting. I mean, it could happen. Yeah, yeah, it could. And it would be... um,
0: Because one idea that I've had for for ages, you know, know, just those things of... um, oh what what would you do if you were running the show and i thought well wouldn't it be interesting if we had uh, a doctor who met a future version of themselves then regenerates and and it's actually that it's actually their immediate successor mm. um you know you could do something interesting with that um and the show the show could easily do that because i think a lot of a lot of people and i think uh, certainly include ourselves. We love the Ruth Doctor. It was just uh, one. It was a, it was a
1: huge surprise, um, and and it was also uh, a bit of a confusing one because not all the answers were given. Mm. Uh, and for us who are aware of what's been established, it raised a lot of questions. Like, hang on, if she if she is a pre Hartnell Doctor. Why does she have a police box? Yes, yeah. Why, yeah, yeah. why does why does she have all these hallmarks of the Doctor mm-hmm. that weren't established until later on in the show?
0: Yeah, and then, um, but a lot. But really, what you're initially responding to. I mean, there was a lot to consider with that. But really, what you're initially responding to is um, the actor or the actress playing the role. And Joe Martin did a fantastic job and was very engaging and very uh, exciting and interesting. And you can. To the point where, uh, in some respects, it sort of overshadowed Jodie Whittaker. And I kind of want to know more about the Ruth Doctor and
1: see her adventures. Um, so... The Lust, she must be back. Especially if um, Chibnall's wrapping everything up. Mm-hmm. And, and there's more to explain about the past.
0: Yeah. But, but going back to that initial news that they're going to be leaving... Um, you know, after this season and with the three specials. Um, so with... Well, actually, it's going to be the 60th anniversary year where we will potentially see a new Doctor and new showrunner. Or or potentially nothing. Or potentially nothing, yeah. As you say, that's the thing. But but hopefully it it would be nice to get some Doctor Who in in the 60th year. Um, I think it's, you know, people are obviously doing a quick uh, reflection of, right, well, how well has this run gone? Uh, And Obviously, I'm not watching, wishing to put words into your mouth. Obviously, you can respond back. But I think it would be safe to say that we both agree that
1: we would say mm, it hasn't been great. No. Um, and I think um, the formula was great of um, having a, a clean slate, mm-hmm. new Doctor, new companions. Um, I, I think um, I didn't really want... A, or I felt like I didn't need many links to the past, mm. but I think had the storytelling been better, yeah, um, that would have helped. Yeah, and I think that really comes down to it. It's
0: um, I think it's safe to say for me, that, you know, when you know, obviously we love the show, and you know we recognise that there are great stories in, in, in the series and there's some really you know, like duff ones, but. Uh, You know, you take the rough with the smooth and you just enjoy the show. And in terms of going, well, what's your favourite era? What's your least favourite? It's been actually, it's been quite difficult until now. I can quite clearly say that, well, my least favourite era is Jodie Whittaker's time as the Doctor. The problem is nothing to do with her. She's very good. I I like her as an actress. Uh, I liked her performance as the Doctor. Um... I like the the rest of uh the Tardis crew in terms of the characters such as they were and the mainly the actors. I think I think this era of the show had a very good cast. Um where it falls down is with the storytelling. And we've had some very talented writers write for the show, but I think it's been perfectly clear that a lot of the problems stem from Chris Chibnall's direction of the show. Um and it, I said this in an earlier podcast, it's really odd that I. See, because this period of the show has elicited a lot of um, raw emotion. Some people just absolutely raving about the series and how much they love it, which is great. Uh, it's nice to get that positive feedback, although I don't understand why, ha- you know, me personally, with my taste, uh, I don't see how anyone could, you know, love the show. You know, so hugely, but it's it's nice to see. And then some people just absolutely hating it. But again, I don't see how it can elicit that such um, such a huge response because this era of the show has just left me feeling indifferent and just go. I think it's okay uh, at best, Um, which is which is odd considering the fact that it's had some huge surprises and some very good ideas. You know the way that the Cybermen had been used, I think, was very, very good. Uh, The way that the the Master was brought back—that was a huge surprise for one thing.
1: Uh, The way that that yes, so so, uh, series twelve was an improvement Mm -hmm. in Mm -hmm. some ways over over the first. Yes, Um, you know maybe it'll get a lot better. Uh, Hopefully, I mean, it it would be nice at least to see Jodie Whittaker
0: um, going out on a high and hopefully coming out with some excellent stories I mean she deserves it Um, but up until now it's really I'm not it's a shame with Jodie Whittaker uh, because I would have liked to have seen her have better material I'm not sad to see Chris Chibnall leave no Uh... Um, but you were saying that we've
1: we've received some feedback in relation to that is that right um, yes, because of course uh, we've had the news um, that she'll be leaving and so will Chris Chibnall but there's also been a, a teaser trailer as well mm-hmm. um, uh, and it doesn't reveal that much but uh, nonetheless it's it's a load of new clips um, so a few people have got in touch to let us know their thoughts on all this news um, David from Neither the Time Nor Space podcast said keeping my fingers crossed that they'll be bound out on a high note with series 13 and the and the specials. I really wanted Wh- Whittaker to book the three series trend, but alas, that being said, change is exciting. I have no specific hopes for a new showrunner and 14th Doctor um, other than different. Mm-hmm. Um, Yeah, um, he's right to mention that that three series trend which seems to be the max for everybody yeah yeah it does it um it's it seemed like a short run for whitaker because we've had so many gaps
0: that's the other thing as well uh and these gaps i mean those gaps were there before the um you know the, the 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 government restrictions in relation to covid kicked in um so that 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 was always a part of the you know the huge gaps you know there was a gap with her first you know before we got to her first series, then when that ended there was a gap uh, between. You know, it was
1: a full year, I think it was. Yeah. One New Year's Day to the following New Year's Day between Resolution and Spyfall Part One.
0: Yeah, and that's another thing as well. When we get to the new showrunner, we need. Uh, the problem is with that approach is it just you're letting the momentum, go. Yeah. And. Uh, people's interest just you know will will dissipate i mean the thing is is that this you know the, the show's been going on for quite a long time um you know you need to
1: keep up people's interest especially um with it only being her first series and then having such a large gap yeah like if it w- if it was a doctor that everyone was familiar with say say Tennant did a few series and then had a gap year. Mm. I think it would still be a success uh, because everyone is so familiar.
0: Yes, well, wasn't that the case with uh, Peter Capaldi? Wasn't there a gap between uh, his penultimate and his final season or something? I'm well, sure there was I a gap don't, somewhere. I don't quite remember. Uh, yeah, it feels like that was a lifetime ago. I'm, I'm sure there was a gap somewhere with the Capaldi era, uh, if memory mm. serves. Yeah. Um, and you're right, it, it works because he was an established doctor and that was fine. Establishing a new doctor—it was a big. I think it was, you know, it was a big mistake. Uh, you know, and and the world moves on, and especially because, really, you're in competition with with other shows which um, people can binge watch. Although I think that viewing habit is 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 altering a bit. I don't think people been, people still binge watch, of course, but I don't think to the same extent. You can still have. Yeah a TV series on a, on a weekly rotating bis, uh, basis and people will still be interested in it um, but when yeah, the show does uh, come back with a new showrunner you need that just continuous momentum have it come yeah, back every the momentum year going yeah.
1: until it's well established mm-hmm. um, Christopher Brett Hall said it's a shame but I never felt Chibnall really found his foot in um, a showrunner and Whittaker never seemed as good as store. sorry um, and Whittaker never seemed to get, uh, get a story, which really showed what she could do with the role. Mm-hmm. Um, Your Cool 91 said... I'm hoping that the serialised structure of the next season will play more to Chibnall's strengths, um, because it's been revealed that the next series will be one continuous story. Mm-hmm. Interconnected. Um and let him go, go out on a high note after a fairly controversial time as showrunner. I can't say I'm sorry to see him go, though, since the last two seasons haven't really been to my taste. I'm annoyed that Jodie hasn't had a chance to really get a standalone episode. Honestly, my only desire for the next Doctor is that they're either a woman or a POC? Person of colour, is that right? Yes, Yes. yeah. Um if we go back to white guys, the idea will cement that 13 was a failed experiment and the NMD side of the fandom. Yes, it would be unfortunate um, if people perceive it that, okay, they've, they've, they've had a shot at getting a woman doctor. It hasn't worked. Let's move on. Um, because Jodie Whittaker, she's quite... what. She's quite unique. She's and she's quirky. And if you cast another woman, it's going to be completely different. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, cause, do you agree with that? Jodie's quite unique. Yeah, I would say so. Uh, yeah. I mean, she's
0: unique uh, already. in that, you know, she's the first uh, woman doctor. But yeah, in terms of it, she's very
1: uh, bubbly Her personality. And yeah, yeah. Uh, and I think anyone else, it would add, um a completely different dynamic mm-hmm. uh, so I'm all for getting more um, more female doctors just so we can see t- a different uh, different performances and uh, different takes on that
0: yeah yeah and uh, I agree with that I think um, if we were to get um, a male doctor again immediately after Jodie Whittaker um I mean you never know it's obviously it depends at the, at the end of the day on who they they get to play the part um but I think it would have that thing of going oh well look we tried it with a woman and it failed um I think it would benefit the show if they immediately followed it up with a with a with another woman playing the part um but really at the end of the day I'm not that fussed by it it's if, if it's a man if it's a, whatever uh, as yeah. l- obviously as, as long as they're they're good. Yeah, but um, yes, but I ca- but nonetheless, I can see that point. Um, and you don't want to see it as a failure because really, the failure of this era—it's got nothing to do with Jodie Whittaker. I think everyone, over oh, the vast majority of people, and we certainly agree that she was a good choice. Uh, but it—it's it, like that thing of just going wasted potential. Um, and and actually, that's not just with her. That was with the other companions. Um. They did. They weren't really. The, the actors themselves were brilliant. Where it failed was the writing. They were, they didn't mm. really develop. Or there were certain character uh, traits which the, you know which were established, but they never really picked up on. You know, just things like
1: that. Mm. Maybe the um, the busy tardis formula um, doesn't always work. Mm-hmm. Yeah, too many characters. Gareth Alexander said. Um, not necessarily for Jody, but definitely for Chibbers, with regards to leaving. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, um, yeah, I think that's a view I'll share. <laughs> yeah, I, th- I, think, I think most people do, actually, yeah. yeah. The Time Lush said, delighted. Yeah, happy to see them go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um,
0: I think everyone's just very eager just to get a new... You know, a new fresh look at the show and actually I think when it comes to Chris Chibnall him appearing on open air that clip that we have as part of the Liverpool appreci- Doctor Who Appreciation Society criticising the trial of a Time Lord I think will always come back to haunt him Um mm. because you know we, I mean we like stories like Rosa and we like things like um, Witch Finders and there were a couple of other episodes but taken as a whole I think the Trial of a Time Lord beats the whole Chris Chibnall you know I would much rather watch the Trial of a Time Lord than sit through a Chris Chibnall run
1: series It just sort of I totally agree with that Mm. yeah yeah if I had to binge one in a day (laughs) yeah
0: (laughs) (laughs) Mm, which one do I pick do I pick a season that Chris Chibnall was in charge of or the Trial of a Time Lord Trial of a Time Lord wins all the time um, and then with, again with the recent trailer, I do appreciate that it's just a teaser trailer. It's not the full thing. It's just just there to to wet the appetite. Even then, it, I don't think it works. I watched it and I just I couldn't get excited by it. And it's like what I've said before with this because I'm really not that fussed about the current run of of Doctor Who. If it wasn't for doing this podcast, I don't think I'd be watching it
1: yeah <laughs> <laughs> you know. uh i mean what were what were, what were your thoughts on the trailer on the trailer um I was intrigued and I just kind of zoned out. <laughs> I give it one watch, which is unusual for a doctor who trailer mm-hmm. I gave it one watch, and I thought, well, there's nothing really to dissect here. Um, other people online will probably do a breakdown um and nothing of interest kind of popped up. <laughs> Usually there is a some something intriguing or a, or like a little reveal. <laughs> um, I mean, it is it is what it is, but we're used to seeing more. I think that's the problem.
0: Nah, uh, perhaps yeah, maybe maybe we have been yeah. spoiled, and that's the thing as well. Maybe you go, oh you, you're not happy because we we've complained in the past with previous trailers uh, for the show where they've given too much away. Um, we're just never happy. <laughs> yeah, we're just never happy. Of course, we're not. We're Doctor Who friends. we've always got something to moan and can bitch about. Um, but actually, on on positive news, just to d- go back to the positive. So um, our friends at Who Can Convince You podcast uh, recently did a, a special, uh, very long uh, podcast, three hours, where it was because it was a an epic where they where they asked other podcasters um, what they would like to do. If they were in charge of the show and a couple of other questions. Firstly, um, if they're listening, um, I just want to thank them. You know, just thank you so much for for including uh, our our response because everyone else, or oh, the vast majority, uh, provided audio clips. Unfortunately, we just didn't have the time to do that. Uh, but we managed to, to, although strangely, I managed to to find time to bash out an essay. Which, which they read in its entirety, which I was incredibly impressed with. And really, that's what I want to thank them for. Thank you so much for reading my mini essay on, uh, on what I would do if, if I was in charge of the show. Which, which yeah. Um, Go and check
1: that out, yeah. Yeah, we'll, we'll not we'll not give them the timestamp. They will have to like sit through the whole thing. Oh yeah,
0: yeah. Well, yeah, no, no please do because uh, the, the, there are loads of other you know people who who contribute and they they have some really nice uh, interesting things to to say as well. Um
1: yeah. But yeah, that's uh, Harry and Luke over at the Who Can Convince You podcast. Yeah, yeah, and um, go, go and check that out. Um they did put a video recently on Twitter, um, and they've. Um, got a big vinyl sticker on their van mm. for the podcast yes yeah yeah certainly pays to advertise um
0: yeah, yeah if you if you haven't listened to them i, I would recommend it because uh, it's just great fun to listen to and they've got a great rapport and it's 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 an awful lot of fun uh and the the format's quite good as well because uh they they discuss um two doctor who stories um usually from completely different periods in, in one podcast uh, so yeah, it's really it's yeah.
1: good. I don't know if you were familiar with the name because um, I don't really have time to listen to many podcasts because I'm either too busy working, sleeping, or prepping for this podcast. <laughs> yes. Uh, um, so I do kind of dive into them. I try to get to know them all. Mm. And these guys, I did actually listen to a fair few of the podcasts months ago, so I was actually quite familiar with them. Right, okay, uh, good. I was, I was skipping through them, so it was quite, um, yeah, it was, it was quite good checking them out again. Um, but yeah, they're definitely on my listen list for um, on a weekly basis now. As long as they don't uh, bring out three and a half hour podcasts every week. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, other good Doctor
0: Who podcasts are of course available. Um, yes. But no, Ed. Yeah, thank you very much for including our contribution and, and reading our, my whole damn response. I could have edited that down, but
1: uh, yeah, yes. that was that was impressive. Um, also, um, the my adventure in space and time podcast uh recently revisited the aztecs um well they actually made a comparison to the aztecs in father's day in that with regards to um wanting to change time ah right okay interesting um yeah um but they were kind enough to share our aztecs game from the website oh right okay excellent <laughs> on uh, on their social media um so thank you for that that was nice yeah. um but make sure to check them out. Also, they've um, they've recently started um, exploring Doctor Who from the very beginning. It's uh, Shona, who's uh, occasionally joined by Carolyn um, and other guests now, um, and they began that back in April. Of course, starting with an unearthly child.
0: Oh yes, because they also contributed to the Who Can Convince You podcast. Uh, I yes. remember that, and I think that yes. Because I remember thinking, oh, because I, I wasn't aware of them. And I was just thinking, that podcast sounds interesting. So I'll be giving them a listen. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I've, I've been listening to them for a
1: while. So yeah, mm. check them out also. Yeah.
0: <laughs> but still listen to us. Yeah. <laughs> oh, just recommending better podcasts to other people. It's it's, it's not a <laughs> good business model. Anyway, uh, without further ado, let, let's crack on. Um so first of all, just our social media information. So you can get in contact with us um, via Twitter, at Podcast Bell. That's where the, the vast majority of people uh, respond to us, and that's probably the best place. Uh, Instagram, where old are on, Cloyster underscore bell. Our website, where We can also obviously access the podcast, but we also have some some nice games that, that, that Rob has done with the word searches and a few other things. Check those out. And... Um, You can, if you like this podcast, you can support us in, you know, getting the word out there, sharing, which we appreciate. And if you'd like to go perhaps that little step further, you can also support us via Patreon. Link is on our website, which again is cloisterbellpodcast.com, but you can also search for us on Patreon. Um, Right, so over to Father's Day. So the quick plot synopsis is Rose Travels Back to 1987 to witness the day her father died. But when she interferes in the course of events, saving his life, the monstrous reapers, monsters who devour everyone to correct time paradoxes, are unleashed upon the world. So the casting crew, Christopher Eccleston plays the Doctor. Billy Piper plays Rose Tyler. Camille Cordero plays Jackie Tyler. Sean Dingwell plays Peter Tyler. Robert Barton plays the Registrar. Julia Joyce plays the young Rose Tyler. Christopher Lewin plays Stuart Hoskins, Frank Rosila-Green plays Sonny Hoskins, Natalie Jones plays Sarah Clark, Errolis Bellum plays Bev, Ryan James plays Susie, and Casey Dyer plays the young Mickey. The story was written by Paul Cornell. It was directed by John O'Hearn. It was produced by Phil Collinson. The music was by Murray Gold. The costume design was by Lucinda Wright, and the production design by Edward Thomas. Um, right, so... Um, so... We um, discussed Dalek in our previous podcast, which was uh, Rob's favourite uh, Eccleston adventure, and the reason why we're discussing Father's Day is because this is my favourite Eccleston adventure. And for me, I think this perfectly encapsulates Russell T. Davis's approach to the show. Yes, I know Phil... Um, I was going to say Phil constant. I know Paul Cornell wrote the um, the story itself, but RTD's in in charge of the show. And the reason why I say that is because this is, I think, is a very good uh, blend of the emotional uh, connection that people can have with the science fiction. So the the episode begins uh, with the establishment that um, Rose's father died in a car crash. When she was just a baby, she never knew her father, and she she's explaining this with uh, the doctor, and then says, "Could she uh, go back and see him? But specifically, when he died, because her mother always said that uh, he died alone, and Rose doesn't want that. She wants to, you know, comfort him, at least be there when when uh, when he died, Um, and the doctor." complies with this it, it's just like yep no problem I can't see any problems with that and then they they arrive there this is november the is set in november 1987 um the first familiar, thing,
1: yeah, familiar yeah for us <laughs> yeah
0: very very much so i mean i don't remember it but uh very <laughs> important yeah it was the year we were born um but so this is uh this, <laughs> this is a period drama and um so, just in terms of its setting of have, having the story set in 1987, um, what are your thoughts on that, Rob?
1: About the setting of the year? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and how it comes across? I don't know if there's any inaccuracies, if that's what you're getting at. But, uh, yeah, kind of comes across, it reminds me of the all the weird hairdos of the early 90s, but maybe there could have been more of that um, in the old cars. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, it, it does kind of feel um, like it was a long time ago. <laughs> 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 what, what do you mean, though? No, I was, just, I was just
0: wondering if you thought that the way that, the, that they established that this is set in 1987,
1: did you think it was effective? Um, yes, uh, especially, uh, well, I related to the, the age of Rose, because it was our age, it kind of made sense, yeah?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And uh, it does it very, uh, in a
0: very, uh, very, I, I don't mean this in a derogatory sense, it does it in a very cheap way, where, uh, you know, it's just set in, a, you know, it's filmed in a normal location, and all what we're doing is we're just panning across um, a street, and we have these posters up, um, telling us, you know, Thatcher not to have another third,
1: third election. Um, mm. So you think maybe that could have been done a lot better to establish the time?
0: Yeah, maybe, maybe a little bit. I mean, my, my, because you know, I'm a bit of a nerd with these sort of things because you know I'm into politics. But um, it, was, it was sort of, it's all those posters are already out of date because. Um, that year's election was in June, June the 11th, 1987. And this story's set in November. And we've still got these, that, and that was with Thatcher winning her uh, third term. So these posters are already out of date. They should have been ripped down months ago.
1: Well, that's fine, as long as they're not up before
0: they should be up. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. The funny thing is, up in Newcastle, it might be in other places as well. Even now, we still walk around and you still got these stickers on lampposts telling us, you know, it's time for change, vote for Corbyn, 2019.
1: <laughs> okay, we'll we'll get round to that. Yeah, we'll get round
0: yeah yeah. There's plenty of time. Um Yeah, so it's just, i mean not that there's anything wrong with it, it's established it is nineteen eighty seven, it does its job. uh but I mean i w I'm I suppose I'm just being ridiculously overcritical. I was just wondering if they could have But then, you know, how would they have done it? Like just people walking around like Michael Jackson and with ridiculous perms or something <laughs> like that. Uh yeah, that would've worked. Yeah, good. that would've worked. Um and actually, you know, later on, as you said, with car models and costumes and hair and everything like that, it um,
1: it works. It, the, the odd reference to Bit Max, and things.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah, so you know, you get all that. So it it does it it does it effectively. Um, and we're thrown straight into time paradoxes straight away because uh, the, Rose and the, uh, the Rose and the Doctor there witness Rose's father die. And Rose can't comfort him. She's too
1: much in shock. No, I was actually surprised that the doctor actually let her go go through with this. Like, maybe it would have been too traumatic.
0: Yeah, I mean, he he does actually ask, are you sure about this? Mm -hmm. Um, And he he, he clearly understands uh, the reason behind it.
1: Um, I'm surprised he doesn't get this a lot. Because uh, I feel like in reality people people do bring this up. You know, if you had a time machine, what would you go back and change? Hmm. And this is where I get really annoyed because I bring up well, you, you can't really bring up the rules of time travel <laughs> without <laughs> I, I haven't done it myself. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> I, you know, I bring up cause and effect, and uh, and that just spirals off into. Um, different timelines and you can't you can't go back and magically change an event and have the present as it was but magically different. <laughs> My brain hurts, Rob. What? <laughs>
0: no no I get it, yeah. I get it. And that's that's what it's one of the reasons why that on the whole there are exceptions like the um the Stephen Moffat era, but on the whole the reason why a time, you know a show which involves time travel doesn't go down the route of time paradoxes it's it's too much it's too complicated it it can be fun to do uh i think i think day of the daleks does it does that very effectively and it's sort of it it does it in the way that the, the first terminator film uh, does it you know that, that sort of way it you know it, it plays with the idea but in a very fun way you know um yeah. it's sort of like you know in um the second Austin Powers movie. Yes, uh, and there's that you know he's he's got a time traveling car, and then Basil Basil expedi exp, uh, Basil exposition um, is telling him about you know how time travel works, and then Austin says, "But if I do this, I do the da, da 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 da," and he goes, "Oh no, I've gone cross-eyed," and then Basil exposition says, "I wouldn't worry about it, Austin. Just have a good time," and then and then Austin Powers turns to us the audience and goes yes and you have a good time too it's just like yeah don't think about it it's time paradox it's fun but don't don't run on it too much it's uh, i think that's yeah. i think that is probably the best the best approach to take in yes, general i feel
1: i feel like we would do well to do that with doctor who i think any other show or movie i'd nitpick the time travel but don't even bother with doctor who <laughs>
0: don't even bother the tardis there it's a great idea, but it, it, it's there just to get you to the story, which is you know any time, any place. Let's do whatever, because as as we know, Doctor Who has this incredibly flexible format. You can do anything with it, and that's the strength of the show. And yes. so, just go with it.
1: Um, and then something will not be referenced, or something will be retconned, or 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 something will uh, contradict something. Mm. And we're like, just go with it. It's Doctor Who. <laughs> That's normal. <laughs> yeah, that's normal. That's meant to happen.
0: Yeah, uh, I mean, if certainly at this stage, if 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 you're attempting to try and get everything to tie up and make sense and all the rest of it, you're on a losing battle, and uh, you'll go start you know stir fry crazy. Just don't bother with it. Um, but I suppose it works when you when you're exploring it, just in a story, and you do it in a, in a way such as I think Father's Day does it. Um, because I think the skill lies in if you're gonna do a story that deals with mucking about with time, but you're able to do it in a in a in a in a in a comprehensive way, that's where the skill lies. Anyone can make these ideas complicated, that's easy. Presenting them in a very palatable way which allows you the audience to easily follow it, that's where the skill lies. Uh and I think Father's Day does it, you know, uh very well. Um,
1: yeah, there's a, there's a few elements to the story which could have been um, a bit hard to understand if it hadn't been pulled off properly mm-hmm. um, near the end. But it does kind of work and it's you understand what's going on and what needs to be done. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it was pulled off really well.
0: Yeah. Uh, and in fact, because it's there at the, at the very beginning. So when the Doctor and Rose are initially watching um, Pete die uh, and Rose was supposed to, you know, go over to him to comfort him in his in his dying moments. And she can't because she, she's in too much shock. So they give it one more go. Um, But their previous selves are still there. And, you know, and the doctor's explaining that this is the only, this is the last chance that we can do it. And we can't bump into them. You go, you run to your father when you run off initially and all the rest of it. Um, You, the audience, need, you know get what he's talking about and the reason why it doesn't have to be spelled out so much I think um, I think that's handled really well and of course when then Rose then just decides well actually she's going to um, just save him anyway and then she does that and then the earlier versions of themselves disappear you follow it through you know you Mm. get the fact that this is this is a this is affecting time Um, One thing that I want to ask is because the the Doctor picks up on this point later on. This is when uh, she saved her father, the father still alive. Um, He then goes back to, he then references Rose, so the very first episode of, of the new series. And says, look, when I said, do you want to come with me? You refused. And then I mentioned Time Machine. And then you got interested. And then that's when you joined me.
1: Mm. Yeah, uh, I don't. This been... I don't buy that from Rose's perspective. Mm. In the moment of Rose, I, I, I don't think. Okay, I'm going to exploit this to save my dad. Mm. Um, do you think that's not the case?
0: No, no, I, I totally agree with you. um When you're watching Rose, it it feels like it's a split moment. It says, you know, do you want to come with... Or did I mention it also travels in time? What? Hell yeah, this is more interesting. And she just, you know, runs to it. And it's a great end to the episode. But
1: the way that she's kind of apprehensive to bring it up um, and bring it up the right way when she asks the Doctor at the beginning of this episode, Mm. it's obviously been on her mind for a while. And maybe she's been... Waiting for the right moment.
0: Yeah, I mean it's. But in terms of the drama, it it makes sense. You know, why, you know, it makes sense why the Doctor would question that. And I think yeah. it, I do think it's an interesting moment. And maybe Rose didn't think of it initially. You know, at the beginning when he mentions the time machine, but maybe that the idea has been sort of festering and building up during the course of the adventures. Um, so it's an interesting question to pose. And as you say, um, Rose is sort of wanting to to divert very you know quickly that that line of thought yeah Um, so I think it's really up to you the audience because the way that it plays out but also the way that it's written I think is quite clever and it's really up to you the audience to go well was it a spur of the moment thing that Rose just decided to do it or has this been something on her that's been on her mind for some time
1: yeah do you think it would be on everyone's minds maybe all the companions have had this thought at some point something they want to go about and change because it's kind of a, it's a one-off kind of thing, isn't it?
0: It is, yeah. I, uh, I mean, it's, um, possibly.
1: I mean, I, I mean I'm mean, i sure we all would. I mean, I mean mm. I'm sure there's, um, bigger existential things. We'd all want to, like, uh, <laughs> explore, like, God and religion and the origin of life and things like that. We'd all be like, do we want to go down that route? <laughs> I think that would, I mean,
0: yeah, I mean, if you had the opportunity to time travel, uh, you would go, hang on. Can I ask some of the ultimate questions here? (laughs) Yeah, hang on. I've got an opportunity to go back and see if such, you know, such and such a thing did happen. But I think initially you would want to, um, like, I think probably because my great-grandfather passed away when I was eight, but I still remember him and I still miss him. You know, I loved him dearly. And if I'd had the opportunity to time travel to go, you know
1: what, I would, I'd, I'd love to go back and see him. Um and, you know I think and it's interesting Rose sorry to interrupt Rose says um, when she when she goes back she says oh I thought it would be all um all dark and cloudy but it's just a normal day. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um so if we if we did have the opportunity to go back um yeah maybe our our memories aren't quite um what we think.
0: Yeah. But- well it not it's not necessarily the sense of her memory because this happened when she was a baby but obviously the, yeah. the way that it's been played in the mind you're going you know you're talking about the death of your father and yeah. you know you know, and she was told this when she was a child. So the the imagination fills in the gaps, and you would think, well, this is this was a tragic occurrence, and so everything about the day would would reflect that. But of course, that's not what life is, and it's just yeah, it's just a normal day. It's not dark clouds or anything. But again, that's that's a nice human touch, an yeah. emotional moment, um, of which this episode yeah. has has
1: loads of those. Yeah, and her perception of him, um, is not quite what the reality is because she says, oh. I imagine him taller um, and of course they go in there they go and see the wedding mm-hmm. um, and she learns how um, he's a bit of a failure.
0: Mm-hmm. Like, well, compared sort of like Dell Boy that the character uh, the character in Only Fools and Horses um, sort of compares him to the, you know, you're like a bit of a Dell Boy figure because obviously yeah. her mother romanticized, you know, because she, you know, she she loved him um and she she sort of romanticized it and didn't want to um focus on the negatives so it was sort of put across that oh he was a brilliant businessman um Mm. but you know he wasn't he was just someone who was trying to make ends meet uh but although interestingly you know he did have an he clearly had an imagination you know we see it he, he 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 drew up uh plans for um solar panels and things like that um but at the end of the day, you know, he he was just a normal bloke trying to make ends meet. One of the best scenes in this, uh, for me, is um, uh, it's immediate. You know, they're in uh, they're in the flat, and Rose knows that you know the, the the doctor's not happy, and she's going, Well, look, we we save people's lives all the time. You do. What's the difference here? It's not as imp- he's, it's not as if he's important. It's not as if he's he's uh, going to become president or start World War Three or whatever and i really like the doctor's response uh which is you know uh you know he's an he's an ordinary uh he's an ordinary person and there's nothing uh, there's nothing more special than that um you know he he's an ordinary person a wonderful person who uh who was dead and now isn't that is going to have an effect um which i just thought was really nice and um Superb writing, and again, that this goes into. um, I think that again, I know that this was written by Paul Cornell, and he's done. uh, You know, he did a superb job here, but this, I think, again, encapsulates what Russell T. Davis's um, ethos was for the show. Um, You know, how he wanted to tell these big stories, but. Telling them in a way which you know allows, um, telling them in a way where we the audience can easily connect and emote to. And I think mm. this is this is probably one of the best examples of of that. Um, yeah. Uh, and in fact, because you know th- this idea, you know that ordinary people are are special. It you know it runs through really that this period of the show it certainly runs in this episode you know later on um because what ends up happening is this has caused um a huge effect where you've got these the these monsters And they're not they're not called reapers in the story i think that i think that maybe just be a retrospective description of the monsters but you've got these reapers who who appear and just start devouring things um
1: yeah and they just came out of nowhere um, and we've, it's something we've never seen before, but to be fair, the doctor does say at one point, uh, my people would have stopped this from happening. Mm-hmm. But now these Reapers have come to kind of sterilise the wound in time. Yeah. Uh, I mean, at the time I thought, well, why aren't they... Um, from Big Finish, there was a uh, Vortosaurs, which were essentially these pterodactyls that lived inside the Vortex. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I thought, well, why didn't they just get the Vortosaurs in? That would have been cooler but uh, yeah and, and so instead we got these these reapers, um, and unfortunately, we'll never see them again um how what's your take on how they look uh how they were designed, and how photorealistic it is and believable it is?
0: i think they're a good design how it's realized as another matter um and this isn't just a case that i think the cgi is dated i remember at the time when i first watched it in 2005 i thought oh um i didn't think you they didn't quite blend in you, you could tell it was a you know it was a cgi made thing it it, it didn't quite blend in although i haven't said that watch watching it now um, I'm I'm much more forgiving of it. You know, it is what it is, and it's you know. Allowed, it, yeah, I still think they a good design. It was just maybe um, maybe with the future release, you would get you know uh, the option to watch it with updated CGI and maybe just have it maybe better
1: rendered. But yeah, I, maybe I think they're fine. What do you, I mean? What do yeah. you think? Um, in retrospect, they don't look as bad as I remember. Mm-hmm. Um, one technique that maybe made them look cheap to me at the time was that, uh, or not cheap, but um, you have to suspend your disbelief. Um, the fact that in most cases the camera is locked off and still and you have the, the CGI monster coming into the scene, um, whether that be in midair or attacking the front of the church. Um, I'm very aware that, okay, this is a shot that's filmed, that placed this this image on top. Um, had, had the shots been um, felt more organic, or if they were moving, which would have been more technical, um, maybe it would have blended better.
0: Oh, that's a good point, actually. Yeah, you're, you're probably right. Uh, I mean, I, I think uh, there's still effect, because uh, originally we're, we're seeing their point of view. Um, how they look is is held off a bit and everything's red and blurred and you know and and, and scary looking Um,
1: and people are being picked off we have like a homeless person disappears and just a bottle of cider
0: I actually thought that was quite effective actually Uh, I quite liked that but I think that the creepiest the the two really creepy moments there's a bit when uh, you know there's children in a park one of them being Mickey one of them being a a young version of Mickey yeah and they're all they're all just was Mickey going to the wedding? he was dressed in a suit wasn't he he was dressed fairly smartly but i don't think he was going to the wedding uh he he, you know he runs to the church because it's the nearest place of safety um uh, maybe they were because actually ah, possibly because wasn't the 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 woman who was pushing him in the swing wasn't she dressed like smartly Maybe. Uh, maybe maybe i'm not sure but um I thought the fact that you know all these all these children are getting picked off in a park and you know everyone's disappearing and it, I thought that was quite effective and and then later on you know we just see an abandoned car and then you know just a child's shoe on a mm. um you know it, you know that's quite that you know that was scary and I thought very effective um and I like the idea that you know that they're able to um find Sanctuary in a church, because you know it's been there for an awful long time, yeah
1: so. it's one thing that's kind of unchanged mm-hmm. because these creatures have come to sterilize the changes in time, yeah, um yeah, and um, my perspective in the first half of the story was that they were picking off people from the wedding because these people um their their day has now changed um because Pete hasn't died. Mm-hmm. Um, but then later on um, Pete does speculate that maybe these things are all over the world and I think that is the case when the Doctor says um, yeah there's just a handful of people in the world left yeah the, the, it's uh, the Reapers are actually everywhere
0: yeah um, which gives the, the story a, a sense of of, of grandeur a bit but yeah. uh, I mean it wasn't necessary because you know the threat's still in this local area and the idea that you had which was the focusing on people who would attend the wedding for the reason that you said you know would make sense um you know yeah. that's great but I just like the idea that um you know you got this building and it's it's rooted in time because it's 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 been there for quite some time um I quite like that idea but going back to the earlier point, which is, you know, ordinary people are important. It's when, they, when they're in the church and you've got the, the bride and the groom who are talking to the doctor saying, you know, can you save us? And they have this whole conversation and the doctor finding out, well, how did you meet and all the rest of it, which is just really nice. And then the, the, the doctor says, um, you know, he basically compares his life to theirs. And we think, you know, I've, I've been to these amazing places. I travel in time and space but i've not had what you've had which is just this you know this wonderful developing relationship and you know and that's just wonderful and i love that scene it's it's just really really nice and um there are loads of these wonderful emotional moments uh, throughout this you know throughout the episode there's a bit, you know because the, the doctor's really hacked off with rose yeah. Um, for for what you know for what she did <laughs> the problem that she's yeah they had had a bit of a fallout yeah. yeah they do and you know calling her you know just another stupid ape and um, I mean because that actually because you know the, the, he basically storms off and says right I'm just leaving you here and she's like yeah yeah he'll be back and he'd be like watch me I'm off goes storming off to the TARDIS realizes something wrong when he just opens the the police box and that's all it is it it's just the it's hollow. It's literally a police box, uh, um, which I thought was was a very good scene. Very, very, again, very simple but very effective. You know, it tells you that something's, you know, definitely up. But again, uh, you know, so then he goes back to, you know, to Rose and telling her, you know, something's wrong. But they have this wonderful moment in the, you know, in the church when uh, the doctor's reprimanding her. She's getting emotional, and then he says, "Look, all what you need to say is you're sorry," and she, you know, she says she's sorry. And she generally means it. And, you know, they're, they're back to being friends again, which is, again, just a nice emotional moment played real. And, you, mm-hmm. you, you know, you do get that sense and, and and both of the actors playing that very, very well.
1: Yeah. Um.
0: um no, sorry, go on.
1: And then it does turn into a bit of a, um, a partially Doctor's episode because... um the uh, the reapers do come in and the doctor dies <laughs>
0: yes yeah yeah
1: um, um, surprisingly <laughs> uh,
0: yeah g- gets eaten and then and that's it and really it comes down to Rose's father Pete he knows that because uh, again it's sort of, you know he's not stupid and he you know he he's able to work out exactly what's going on there's a bit of a comic moment because um, uh, jackie rose's mother thinks that that the adult rose is just someone that uh pete's playing around with pete worked out that you know it is his daughter and actually he should have died and the fact that he didn't is causing all these problems um uh and there's just a comic moment of um you know finally when jackie you know is is able to clock up, it's just like think about it woman it's it's Rose. She travels in time. It's our you know, and all the rest of it, which which I quite like. So there's uh, even though I'm focusing on the emotion of the episode, uh, there are some you know there is humor in there, and I think it's it's wonderfully balanced. So you know you have got the threat of the Reapers and what's mm. taking place, and people have died and people have disappeared. Um, you've got the emotion of of the overall story and what's taking place, but you've also got humor balancing it all out, and I think it's, it's I think it's very
1: deftly handled. Yeah, um, and that uh, leads on to the, the emotional climax where, um, of course, Pete's realised what he needs to do, mm-hmm. and he's kind of staring out the window at this car, um, and the car is just circling the the church, or keeps reappearing on the street. Um, is this kind of like the universe trying to compensate and put things back on track?
0: I think so because it's like this car's just caught in a time loop because it was clearly meant to uh, run, run Pete over, but the, the fact that it hasn't happened is what's causing the problem. Um, mm. So it's it's caught in a time loop, obviously waiting <laughs> waiting for the moment for 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 Pete to do quote the right thing to to write everything. There's there's a there's a moment uh, earlier on before, just before this happens where um, Rose is apologising. No no hang on sorry. Uh, I think uh, Pete apologises Rose says what you're apologising for it's not your fault and then he responds with um, I'm your father it's it's my job for it to be my fault or words to that effect which I think is, is really rather nice and apparently those were words that Paul Cornell's father actually said to him when he was a child so he's actually you know, put in some so, you know so some of it's autobiographical in that respect and that's interesting yeah, yeah so not only does Paul Cornell write a very good story but you know he brings in you know personal aspects in it to, to help uh, tell that story and I remember when I because I didn't know that at the time when I first watched it of course and I remember that line always stood out to me and I, I just thought it was a I just thought it was a really nice line um, mm-hmm. and Paul Cornell it turns out that Paul Cornell uh, apparently just plucked that out you know from his own life and put it in and, You know, that's quite powerful.
1: Yeah. I I guess this is a story that resonates with everyone, um, whether you've had a a father that was absent or not, Mm. in some ways. Um, Rose and Pete do have a bit of a fake heart-to-heart at one point where Rose is saying um, all the nice things that he used to do for her, take her on picnics and days out and things. Yeah. um, Creating this false... um, allusion that you know he was there
0: yeah but it's it's it, but um but he knows and he said that true. that doesn't sound like me yeah he said that yeah. that's not me because you know she's telling the story mm-hmm. you know you told her stories every night and you took us on picnics every saturday they're you know, sort of you know overly romanticizing it all and said that that's not me that's that's not true um yeah um and then of course it leads up to the awful thing which is, in order to put everything right, what was originally an accident uh, of him accidentally being run over, he now has to, basically, he has to commit suicide. Um, mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, and he and he tells her what he needs to do. Yeah, he says, of course, the doctor figured it out a long time ago. Mm-hmm. Um, he perhaps the doctor was just trying to save Rose, um, having to go through that that that, uh, that whole scenario. Yeah. Uh, and Jackie gets pulled in on it too, like that moment he said when uh, he says to Jackie, "You know, this is our rose," and she be, she, she realizes. Um, and then Pete brings up the fact that uh, yes, I didn't, I didn't take you on all those picnics. I didn't read the stories for you, but uh, this is time to make it right and put things back on track. Mm-hmm. Um,
0: but one thing that he does say is that you know, but some good of it, some good of it. This did some good of. I can't get my words out now. Some good did come out of this, which was that he was actually given, you know, a couple of more hours' life and was able to meet, you know, his grown-up daughter. Um, Which actually,
1: who else gets that opportunity? Yeah, Yeah. and
0: you know, so so that was lovely. You know, it it does put that that positive um, spin on it, if you like. Um, But again, it, it. you know, so, so, you know, he's run over, he dies, but Rose is able to do the very thing that she wanted to do in the first place, which comfort him in his, you know, in, in his dying moments.
1: Mm.
0: And that does affect how um, Rose, as a young, you know, as a young child was told the story. You know, it it does have that effect. Um,
1: yeah, because originally um, he was alone. Yes,
0: he di- you know, he died alone. But now she's told the story that, you know, um, don't know who it was. But there was a young woman who, you know, held his hand in during his, you know, his final moments,
1: so he didn't die alone. Yeah. Um, yeah, so, um, things have changed, but I guess for the better now, yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, the, it was quite emotional. Um, this whole story resonated with me a lot differently than it did back then, because, um, my perspective back then, um, was as a child, uh, but now as a parent, um, I took it a whole different way, Hmm. and so it was a kind of emotional, different ways, um, which is interesting. Yeah, Yeah, different perspective.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's 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 an episode that I always liked. Uh, I liked it when I first watched it in two thousand and five. But as you said, I mean, we I mean, we were still, I mean, we're effectively we're, I mean, pretty much still kids. We were what, eighteen when it came out, if if that, maybe slightly younger, maybe seventeen or something. You know, (laughs) still kids really. You know, but I, you know, I, I I liked it. But now, as you say, being older, um, it, it it resonates far more strongly than it did back then. I mean, yeah. I got obviously I got the the emotional a- aspect of the story,
1: but now it just carries more weight and it, it resonates yeah. far more strongly. Um, but yes, it's interesting that uh, yeah, events have changed, and I'm I'm guessing now uh, Rose remembers. Mm-hmm this the the tale of our father differently because because Jackie did tell young rose at the end of the episode was so a new version where is that right yeah, yeah jackie yeah, does right, yeah. tell her that uh, there was a girl that stayed with her
0: and then yeah. and then we end with um right. the doctor and rose hand in hand just walking back to the tardis and that we you know we end which i think was was a nice ending um there was one thing which um I didn't think it was as good as it could have been. It's a slight moment. Uh, and it's actually Christopher Eccleston. Um, and it's, at the very be- it's the very beginning of the episode. Now, I'm really nitpicking here, but I couldn't help think it when I was watching the episode for the podcast. As we know, Christopher Eccleston is a very good actor. So I'm not disputing that. Uh, I'm not an idiot. Um, But I think even, you know, even Christopher Eccleston acknowledges that, you know, he's best as an actor when he's being, you know, when it's when it's the serious and, the you know, and it's grounded in something, I don't know, gritty, if you like. Um, He perhaps finds it a little bit difficult playing lighter moments and play, you know. Um, I think he perfects that, funnily enough, in his final two episodes, but up until that point you know when uh, basically getting to the point is you know when when Rose and the Doctor are in the TARDIS and they're travelling to 1987 Rose is apprehensive but the, the Doctor's sort of trying to be supportive and he's he's trying to be supportive and he's just looking at it as, as another as another way of just another journey for the TARDIS and he's just he's trying to be upbeat yeah um, it's the only time in the, in this episode when, I, when I am aware that I am watching Christopher Eccleston acting, everything else, uh, it just, you know, cause he's, you know, good acting is when it just appears natural, like, like breathing and you don't think it, it's the only moment in the episode when he's, he's trying to be, uh, trying to be, uh, light and trying to appear as, you know, it's not as serious as it is. Uh, as a counteract to Rose's reaction, it's the only moment in the episode when I'm aware that Christopher Eccleston's acting.
1: Interesting. Yeah, I didn't pick
0: up on that. As I say, it's it's a fleeting moment. It's just, it, but I couldn't help thinking it when I was, when I was watching the episode. Every, the rest of it is fantastic. But it's just, you know, it's just that one moment. Um, yeah. But as I said, it's it's it's. I'm not saying it's awful. Yeah. Um, I just think it's it, you're just kind of aware that even. I mean, actors are learning all the time. I mean, you hear it with very well-established actors, like uh, you know, for example, Sir Ian McKellen. You know, he's talking about, you know, we look back at performances he did decades ago, and he go, "Wow, that was fantastic." But then he, you know, he'd be interviewing, talking about those, and going, "Yeah, I suppose, but if I was to play that part now, I would do it a complete different because I've learned, you know, I've learned a lot more in those, you know, in those, in the years. So you know, acting's a const- it's like anything in life; you're constantly learning how to improve and be better. Yeah, um, I guess in that respect, it's a shame we didn't get more of Chris. Yeah, very much so. I mean, look at look look for example, Peter Davison. Again, you know, like Christopher, Eccles, you know, different different actor, type of actor, of course, but still very good. Uh, and when he's playing the Doctor, you know, he hits the ground running. But compare, you know, and he was brilliant from from the first moment he plays the Doctor to the very end. But look at how he plays the Doctor in his third and final year compared to the first two. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. It's
0: a much stronger, much more confident performance.
1: Yes. I think he himself has, has said, you know, I, I, I would have done that differently. I wish I'd said that differently about certain things. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, and so even though I've, I've pointed this moment out, I, uh, you know, I don't I don't want to sound massively critical. Um, it's just, you're just kind of aware of just going, there's just one moment of the episode where I'm just aware that you're, it's not as strong as the how he's performing in the rest of the episode and you're just kind of aware that, you know, this is an actor learning something he hasn't done before. Yeah. Uh, he nails it in his final two episodes. Mm. Um, uh, you know, just everything's just pitched perfectly and as you say, it's just one of those, it's just a, it's a shame. I mean, we're getting him in Big Finish which is fantastic now but in terms of television it's a shame we didn't get from that, that yes. perspective. We yeah, we don't get to see that. But
1: mm. well, uh, maybe uh, Jodie Whittaker's next series will be like Peter Davison's in the third series. No, <laughs> be be optimistic. <laughs> no, no. But as I said, just going back to that original
0: point, it's just my problem with the what we're calling in the Jodie Whittaker era. Funny, it's nothing to do with Jodie Whittaker. I think you know she's you know very good. I I like her performance. She's made it her own and she's done a good job the problem that i have with it is i just feel that um at present she hasn't really been given the opportunity with the material given to really show off what she can do yeah um i think you know the, the problem that i have with it is really comes down to chris Gippnell's approach to the show
1: yeah. well i guess we'll have a lot more to talk about soon as more more news kind of trickles through and mm-hmm. um we'll have to really um get engaged for like m- changing more focus and uh, reviewing those stories when they come out <laughs> um we're going to have a uh, yeah eight consecutive weeks of um Jodie Whittaker Whitaker stories
0: before we go on to listeners' responses and then wrapping everything up, uh, is there anything that you want to mention that perhaps I haven't raised? Um, no, I think we've um, hit all the marks on that. So uh, we have had some listeners' responses, which is great. So just going to go through those. Um, so on Twitter, Kimberly Taylor got in contact... I'll just hit my lamp. Um, Kimberly Taylor got in contact and said... I have only watched Father's Day once when it first aired and skipped watching the episode ever since because it affected me. Not in a personal way, just because it was sad with Rose's dad dying. Overall, it was an interesting episode showing what will happen if time gets rewritten. Uh, It's interesting that she said that, you know, she's only watched it once, but clearly remembers it very well.
1: Yes. Um, So it had its its impact. Mm. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh,
0: neither the time nor the space has said on the whole I really quite like this episode but I'm disappointed the Reapers if that is what they're called never reappear after the Doctor messes with the timeline every other week from this point on you made that point earlier didn't you Rob as well um,
1: yes I think it's it's hard not to consider the fact that maybe they could they, they could or probably would appear uh, in other scenarios why mm-hmm. is it just a one off thing uh and also had they come back um more recently um it would be interesting to see where the design of them uh kind of leads
0: mm-hmm. um i mean i i quite like that they're worn off uh and they're still memorable uh but yeah i think i think it's one of those monsters where it's like the, there's you can clearly see the potential of them coming back
1: yeah um or maybe something similar. It doesn't necessarily have to be the Reapers. Why couldn't it be another um, this, another element or another creature as something mm-hmm. trying to put things right? Yeah, yeah.
0: Uh, Rob Keeley said one of the absolute best from the modern era. I agree with that. Contains all the best bits from Paul Cornell's new adventures in a modern fable that everyone can understand. Um, well said, which yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah, uh, th- there's one more point he says, but just in terms of the Virgin New Adventures, because he wrote uh, Time, War Revelation, Love and War, North Future, Human Nature, which would later be adapted in Happy Endings. Uh, he- he's written loads more uh, for Doctor Who, but in terms of New Adventures, those are the ones. And yeah, it, um, this does uh, feel like it's a continuation of... of th- the the best that the new adventures had which Paul Connell had a big part in running uh writing um so yeah i agree with rob Keeley's point there but he ends on this point as well uh you know when he's saying um you know one of the best of the the modern era the jodie series need more like this
1: yes um we've had emotional stories in the new era one being the one about ryan's dad uh resolution mm. Uh, not the same at all. It was just um the no, fact no. that uh he could have lost his dad um, but then he didn't. It wasn't the same at all. Yeah, but yeah, the new, yeah, new it, era does need uh, better stories. <laughs> it, it, yeah, it does.
0: And the thing is, there has been an attempt of trying to get some emotional resonance going on with 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 the Jodie Whitaker stories, but doesn't hold up. It doesn't quite work.
1: Um,
0: And it's like what we said, the way that when uh, Ryan and... um, What's his grandfather's character called? Graham. Graham, yes, thank you. When those two characters leave uh, in that last episode and then we're, we're seeing them carrying on from... from how they were in the very first episode of which they were introduced, it's just so... Are we supposed to be impressed with this sort of cylindrical um, thing? It's like, it's what a teenager would write. Mm-hmm. And actually, it, if anything, it emphasizes how there's been no major progression.
1: No, it feels a bit unfulfilled.
0: It, Yeah, and it's just, I'm sorry, but you know, there's no uh, emotional intelligence or weight to any of it. Mm. The attempt is there, but it doesn't work. In of itself, you can clearly make you can clearly see it, criticize for what it is, and but then when you're presented with a stories like Father's Day, it emphasizes it even more. Like here's a story which gets it right, knows what it's doing, and it, it's fantastic because Father's Day, I think, works as a story. You know, you can watch it as an individual story. You get it from you can watch it as a self-contained story, and it's you know, and you get it. But it also works in the structure of the, you know, the series between, you know, Rose as a character, the Doctor as a character, the relationship between those two, yeah, and 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 then because you picked up on this point later on, you know, Rose then because of the events of this story has a moment with her own mother about it, uh, you know, so it, it, you know, you can watch it and enjoy it and emotionally connect in of itself, but you can also see how it's important and how it threads through the series as a whole. You know that's really good. Yeah. That's good writing. That's what's engaging, and this is what makes something like Father's Day. I mean, because we had a we had a uh, a listener. You know, I read her response just a few moments ago. She said she's only written, She only watched this episode once, but she remembers it, and you know, and she remembers it because of that emotional connection. That's powerful viewing. Yeah. And that was what fifteen
1: twenty years ago. Um...
0: Yeah. That's you know. You know that's something which has an impact, and you know as you say that you know that's a long time ago. Yeah, we're not going to be. Talk- you know, people may in the future reevaluate the Jodie Whittaker era and go, you know, what it wasn't. But as- whatever that may happen,
1: mm. but yes, but like I you said, uh, Father's Day had an impact on the characterization and the mm. the series itself. When yes. we look at some of the hallmarks of Jodie Whittaker's first series, maybe Rosa um could be looked at as a um a talking point. Uh yes, um it's emotional it's important um but this has been forced upon you the uh, narrative wise. Um I'm not saying it's a bad story or anything but then there's bits of the story that are impactful on um Ryan and Yasmin. Um yeah. The Which stuff, again is not really picked up on. It's not afterwards. at all. It, it feels important, but it, it, it isn't part of their whole characterization um, as a whole. No, and that's what, and that's what I was going to say.
0: The Jolly Whittaker era in the future may be reevaluating. Go, you know what? It wasn't as bad as it was, but I don't think people would reevaluate in terms of the emotional connection because it is. It's just not there.
1: It's just not there. Yeah. Um, and it's. And if um, if any of these characters were to come back um, with the future Doctor, mm-hmm. even for a one-off, um, I'd probably feel even more of a disconnect. Mm-hmm. Um,
0: and this is the thing as well. When the show came back in 2005, one of the things that it was always praised for was the fact that it was more, more emotional. And that was something that I got right compared to the classic series. But I think that, that again, that conversation was overplayed. It was this idea that classic Doctor Who was never emotional. I disagree with that completely. Um, I can probably think of a handful of moments. Well, the thing is, I think what people forget is that Britain in the 60s and the 70s, for example, is completely different to the Britain of when we grew up. Um, You know, people made this uh, not... (laughs) when princess diana died for example in 1997 uh you know the, the emotional outpouring in this country um was way off the scale you know and compare that to when winston churchill died at the, i think it was the, you know early 65 if i've got the air right. 65 66 i think it was 65 um you know compare you know and he had a state funeral and, you know he was a big important public figure um as you know in a different way but as princess diana was and look at the 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 way that the country reacted to his day. you know country was completely different so remember that but nonetheless you know for example when um when susan leaves yeah that whole speech that the doctor gives you know one day i will come back that whole that whole speech leading up to that moment and that moment that's emotional
1: it's memorable Uh, i think we all know that word for word
0: yeah, yeah. I mean, I could. Quite, I'm not going to. But yeah, you could look at when um, Ian and Barbara leave. The doctor yeah. takes that really bad. That's emotional. Look at when Zoe and Jamie leave. We look at when. Um, uh, look at when um, Joe Grant and Sarah Jane leave. Yes, later on there are a couple of, like the way that Leela leaves
1: um, isn't particularly well. Have Adric, it wasn't a departure; it was a death. But uh, that.
0: Yeah, but obviously you know that you know that has no pun intended. That had an impact. <laughs> So um, the show, <laughs> that poem was intended, despite what I said, it was. But you know, um, you know, so the, the, you know, classic Doctor Who had these emotional moments, and we remember them. New Doctor Who, same thing. Jodie Whittaker's era, it it it, it attempts to do it, it just doesn't. It doesn't mm. work. Um, and as I said, you you can. You can see that in of itself, but when you get episodes like Father's Day, it really emphasises it.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, but yeah, the characters don't uh, don't change, apart from the fact that they become more accustomed to travelling with the Doctor. Mm-hmm. There's not much um, when you compare early Ryan Graham and Yasmin to later Ryan Graham and Yasmin. There's not much difference. Even when they spend a lot of time on Earth with that new Tardis, where they're uh, waiting for the doctor, um, they've still got each other. So it's not like they've been through some tremendous loss and they've changed so much. Um, mm.
0: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, I feel like I went through a mini rant there, but anyway, um, we've got uh, we've got some other listeners' responses, haven't we?
1: Uh, Yes, um, Tony Filer said, A thing of surprise and beauty, which helped redefine uh, the kind of stories New Who could tell. Great monster. Impressively sci-fi story, but absolutely rooted in an emotional moment. Fabulous. Mm -hmm. Uh, Kristen said, It's actually one of my favourite episodes. It's massively underrated. In my opinion, it showed how human Rose was compared to the Doctor. I myself know I couldn't watch my dad die um, and not do anything about it, even if I said to myself I wouldn't. It wasn't a very bittersweet ending. Um, Sorry. It was a very bittersweet ending and was a great debut for Pete.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree with all that. I think it's a very good summer. Yeah.
1: Um, Another example of how this story just kind of resonate with us in a personal ways. Mm-hmm. Um, but that was it for Instagram.
0: Oh, great. Thanks, Rob. Um, also put a poll up asking what, um, what people thought, uh, in terms of the ranking. So good, average or bad. So 8% thought it was bad. Who are these people, heartless, <laughs> 12%. Oh, heartless, heartless, cold people. Um, thought it was average. A little bit more empathetic, but could do better. Uh, Whereas 80%, 80% marvellous people uh, thought it was good. That's good.
1: (laughs) Brilliant. Um, Yep, I couldn't agree more. Um, I'd say, of course, it's a good, it's a fantastic episode. Um, In fact, I wouldn't even say it's an underrated episode. (laughs) To be honest.
0: No, I mean, I, I, I can get why uh, people may think that because when you—it's not you know, a commonly people,
1: referenced one.
0: No, no, it's not. Um, but I think, I think it's, it's quite clear that it's, it's, a, it's an episode that is much beloved and people certainly remember it. Mm. Um, you know, I certainly do, and yeah. So, in terms of your conclusions and score.
1: Oh uh, yep, of course. Um, it uh, I would rate it good top marks. Um. It's it's one that uh, we can all relate to in certain ways, um definitely resonated with me a lot differently, um now being a parent myself. So there's a lot to take away from that. Um The technicality of the of the time travel, the paradox or whatever, it's all very understandable, especially with uh the Reapers, the whole thing of the car appearing and disappearing outside um it's very technical but it's very simple at the same time um mm-hmm. very good story very good writing great performances all around yeah
0: i totally agree with that i think that's a very good summing up i think it's a superb episode you know the emotional resonance basically everything we've talked about and everything you've said totally agree and yeah i would uh i think it's perfectly clear i score it good as well uh fantastic you know, re- <laughs> yeah fantastic um you know, I love this episode. I could, you know, I could easily um, re-watch it. I think, you know, because it, it, maybe it, it can put you through the emotional wringer a little bit. Um, certainly in terms of a Doctor Who. So maybe you would want a bit of a, a palate cleanser in between. You know, watch something a bit more lighthearted before you come back. To it. But certainly an episode I will more than happily rewatch. You know, it's...
1: <laughs> yeah, it's fantastic. Yeah. Um- so is that it for Father's Day this week Uh, yep all all areas covered next week we're going to go on to our favourite David Tennant stories our favourite Tenth Doctor stories Um, so next week it's my turn to choose I've put a lot of thought into it a lot of contenders but I'm going with the girl in the fireplace Oh, right. Good choice, Rob. Nice one. Okay, look forward to uh, talking about that one. Yeah. Um, um, which is, of course, a Series 2 episode featuring, featuring Rose again. <laughs> so that'll be a good chat. Yeah, good choice. Looking forward to that one. Um, obviously, we'll, we'll hold off
0: on what my favourite Divid one is. I think it'll take people by surprise, but we'll talk about that uh, later on. But yes, uh, The Golden Fireplace. Very good choice. Well, um, So, yeah sorry go ahead you do it (laughs) no no it's fine just that awkward moment of trying to end a conversation there yeah that's uh, so that's it for for this podcast Um, thank you very much for listening and um, uh, and thank you for for taking part in the conversation Rob Uh, it's been good Um, so until next week when uh, as Rob said we will be talking about the the girl in the fireplace Um, bye everyone
1: thanks bye